This is not another one of those cast pod thingies, <laughs> is it? Tajian's man, I yeah, know it. Yeah, I know it too. I really do. Yes, welcome back to another Taz Yarns, formerly Taz from Yarns with Asm Taz, but we've moved across. Thanks for everyone for coming across. It's the first time you heard me. Uh, welcome and thank you for coming over. Uh, all right, today, well, what I liked, I'll just give you a bit of a rundown. I, I like fishing, spearing, camping, outdoors, hunting, music, sport, NRL, motocross, and today we've got a reality TV star in um, Harry Foster, who, uh, formerly of MasterChef. He's also an ecologist, a photographer, and um, yeah, I'd actually, you know, I had a chat with him what it was like to grow, being, grow up being gay. So hold on to your horses as a fucking ripper, and um, I like to thank Has and and Sam for turning up and having a good yarn with me. And um, enjoy this episode, punks. Hey, we're on, boys. <laughs> How what's up, you guys? <laughs> Welcome to my channel. Welcome back to my channel. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, Has. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Harry Forster. Foster, I always say Forster because there's so many Forsters in Innisfail. Harry Forskin. Yeah, Forsker. <laughs> you got a Harry Forskin. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Sam Peasley. How you going, boys? Yeah, very well, thank you, mate. Mate. Fantabulous. <laughs> Fantabulous. Oh, so if you know, if, if no one knows who Has is, Has is a, a bit of a reality TV fucking superstar. Yeah, fucking superstar. <laughs> so yeah, we got. We've, um, who's on, yeah, that's no, all good. Yeah, you know, just bloody audios and shit, eh, on these things. <laughs> Trying to steer the ship, you know, like all the other podcasts, everyone else steers the ship and then mm-hmm. my mate just runs the show, but not me, we'll do the whole fucking lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I didn't even know where I was up to. <laughs> uh, where do you want to begin? Yeah, all right. Uh, so you're on MasterChef, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I was on MasterChef twice. Twice? Actually, 2016 and 2020 last year. Yep. So I did a like an original competitor series. That was the first one I was on. That was in Series 8, I think, of MasterChef. And then um, went back last year for the All-Star season. All-Stars, eh? You're like fucking NBA All-Star. <laughs> yeah, pretty big deal. <laughs> I mean, kind of a big deal. No. <laughs> Big deal, and then I got eliminated like a third or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, the whole whole. Um, so let's go post. What were your thoughts what, when you were going into it? What were your thoughts going into the show? Was it a the first time I well the first time I put in like a full piss take application? <laughs> it was like a joke. Um, I watched the season seven with my best mate, and um, pretty much the whole series we were just watching it and. Uh, joking about like how we could do better and now that I think about it, it's very like naive of me. <laughs> and so I jokingly put in this application and I was like, yeah, I can give this a crack. Like it can't be that hard. <laughs> anyway, um, I got in a couple of days later. Well, the, the whole process was quite lengthy. There's like auditions and you have to do phone auditions, two physical auditions, a psych test, and then you get shortlisted. And, and then, then you cook. No, <laughs> you haven't even cooked yet. No, literally, no. <laughs> no, for real. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and then, um, yes, yeah, so, and then you get shortlisted. 
Um, and then if you get picked out of this shortlist of, I'm not sure how many people they have in the shortlist, but um, if you get picked out of that shortlist, then you're invited to uh, the judges' auditions, which is the first episode of TV. Um, and there's like 50 people in that. And essentially you're invited along to, um, to cook your best dish or your signature dish. And that's when they decide whether or not you get into the show. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty full on. And then the second time I was just invited back, so I didn't really have to do anything. So what were your emotions going into that show? Were like, oh, I'm just going to go on for a piss take or I'm going to go and try my best and see what I can do with my future out of it or stuff? Yeah, it was really... I didn't, like, have much of a plan or, like, I didn't think about it too much. It was just like, oh, this is, like, really cool and fun and exciting and I wasn't really expecting this in the slightest. Um, and then I got in there and I was like, oh, wow, this is actually for real. And it's like... <laughs> Um, MasterChef's one of the, the MasterChef Australia is like one of the top rated reality television shows in the world. It's like yeah. viewed in um, twenty six other countries or something like that, like yeah. something enormous. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's actually a, a really big deal, and I didn't quite realize it back then. <laughs> um, and so I thought it was just like this TV show that I was going to go on and have a bit of fun with, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it's like yeah, I'm talking to people from India and. Um, Sri Lanka and uh, Papua New Guinea and all sorts of places like that. It's it's unreal. Yeah, telling you that you're not cooking with your curries right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the Indians and Sri Lankans. <laughs> A lot of opinions, I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember last time we spoke on the 100,000 Taz, we, um, you're talking about the curry paste and stuff. There's some good ones you use. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a sucker for a good curry. Eh? <laughs> I love it. Indian, Southeast Asian curries, anything. Yeah. Um, but these these ones that I really love using, um, the the cheapo little tins. They're called, uh, I think it's Masery is the brand, and they're like uh, little green, yellow, or red tins. You can get them in Coles. Um, they've got a really big range in the Asian grocers. Um, but they're honestly the best commercial curry paste that I've ever found. Yeah. Um, bigger than like the oh, sorry better than the the bigger brand names that you can see on the shelves but yeah. they're so good and they're like a dollar fifty a tin and literally you can eat the paste so it's like straight out of the, the tin. tin they're so good <laughs> <laughs> they're honestly delicious yeah. so the whole process what were your thoughts in the process sort of things of the whole master chef and all that sort of stuff getting onto the show is it's hard it's like really really hard so um, you put in your online audition. They ask you to send through photos, videos, recipes, pictures of the stuff that you've cooked in the past. Um, Vegemite sandwiches, tuna yeah. sandwiches. <laughs> Fairy bread, <laughs> Milo. Um, <laughs> and then from there, they will give you a call and you do a phone interview um, and essentially you talk about your experience with food. And this is like granted that they might like you or that they see something in you, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you call, they call you and you do a phone interview um, and then after that phone interview you'll get invited to um, the first audition and so this isn't filmed like the, all the producers of the show and the, the whole food team um, do like a big lap of Australia and they uh, essentially hire kitchens out and they invite people to come and do like a physical audition. Yeah. And so there's two days of auditioning. There's The first day is... Uh, a mystery box and so they give you a whole different range of ingredients like you would encounter on the show um, and they give you a whole, whole range of ingredients and you just have to make something up and you don't get any idea 
prior to to the audition. I got one of those in this is my called my pantry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine's like that every day. Um, and they anyway, so it's like uh, you make up something or whatever you can using these ingredients, and then um, if you're successful on that day, they invite you back for the second day. And on the second day is when you have to cook your signature dish. Yeah. And so that's like the thing that is going to be like the best at. You're going to be the best at and like you can really wow them. Yeah, I can't wait to taste that tonight when you cook <laughs> 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 Oh, God. Um, and then after that, if you're successful in that, um, they'll invite you to stick around in the afternoon and you'll do a psych test. So it's like an hour long I think it's about an hour long psych evaluation. Have you thought of any, uh, any questions that they asked you? They ask you some of the weirdest shit. Yeah. So there was, there's two psych evaluations. There's one in person um, and they pretty much do an interview with you. It's the producers and the psych. Um, and then you go away from that and then you have to do an on-paper one. And on-paper one is like the weirdest questions like do you have thoughts about um, hurting animals or like weird <laughs> shit like that. You know, I'm like just, just trying to find out if you're a mass murderer. <laughs> pretty much, and it's like, you, do you do you believe in ghosts and like weird shit like that? Hey. Like it's really, like you look at the questions and you're like, surely there aren't people that tick yes to these boxes. And it's and probably, probably just all, all editorial angles, isn't it? Just to find out. Yeah, it's well, just it's just they really got to screen you because I guess it's such a um, it's such a full on process and like such a, a really intense situation for you to be in and of course you're on camera and you're um, representing such a massive brand that they have to know whether or not you're going to be whether you're going to lose it or not yeah because if you lose it on them shows down. yeah that's pretty much like stab someone in the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> not even that like just if you like have a breakdown or something during filming that's a massive inconvenience to them or even if you come out the other end of the show and you have a breakdown and you talk about how bad they treated you or whatever, like something like that, yeah, um, it's obviously a, a big impact to their brand. So they really have to know whether or not you're sound and like you're stable. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty full on. So yeah, the whole process. You so you, did you enjoy that or was it a bit full on? Or it was it? really full on. I didn't really know what to expect at the time. Yep. And it's sort of like you just took it as it came. Um, and getting onto the show, like it, I feel like it happened really quickly. Um, I put in, the, uh, put in the first application like August and then all the auditions and stuff went through October. And then the first episode that we filmed of my series, which was the judges' audition, so I still didn't know whether I was actually yeah. um, had a spot in the show. That was November fifteenth, um, and then the following year in May the fourth or sixth, I think it was. That's when we wrapped up. So Jeez. it was gone for a good six months. <laughs> the whole process was yeah. Yeah, almost a year. Jeez, it's blood. And when you where where did you stay through all this? So essentially what happens, so if you get onto the show, um, you get two weeks to sort of wrap your life up. Um, I'm not sure if, if this is quite what happens now, but when I started filming yeah. my season, it was um, really full on. It was like you have to delete your whole life. Um, you disappear off social media. Socials, yeah. um, they made us take down to like Instagrams or Facebooks and stuff like that. Um, and he <laughs> no one knows how to do that because you try to get rid of Facebook every yeah. day. It's like, do you want to rejoin Facebook? 
it was a lot easier back then. Um, you could just like deactivate your account and that yeah. was it. Um, and then like websites and stuff, if you had any, had any like public websites or profiles around you, they had to be taken down as well. Um, and then you're not allowed to tell anybody, I guess, except for your closest people where you're going. Um, and then you fly down to Melbourne and we got put into a house. It was 24 of us. Sound like you're an undercover agent. <laughs> it was kind of like going to jail. Doom, doom, doom. 007 yeah. <laughs> It's so weird. Like I think back now and I'm like, what would people be thinking? Like I'll, I'll be active <laughs> on social media every you day. Just dropped out. And then just disappear. Hey. So bizarre. Anyway. Um, it so would be. That'd be pretty yeah. like he's lost like, the plot or what's he doing? Where the fuck did he go? Did he go to rehab? <laughs> or, um, and yeah, so you go into the house and essentially there's, there's 24 contestants and a house associate producer. And so the house associate producer is uh, the person who makes sure that uh, you're leaving the house on time. They organise buses. Um, they make sure that you've got food in the house and... That sort of shit. Kind of like a chauffeur or like a parent. Um, a parent for grown-ups, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so Did you yeah, end up calling him mummy? <laughs> <laughs> or daddy. <laughs> daddy. Uh, and then, um, yeah, when you walk through the, the, the door and the first sort of, um, the first thing they do is go through your bags, make sure you haven't got anything that you shouldn't have. Um, and they take your phone off you, your wallet and your passport. Um, <laughs> it is jail yeah and <laughs> you're not allowed to leave the front door yeah and so um, there's conditions as well they have no um, computers uh, there's a, a phone it was like a little drug phone <laughs> so it wasn't a smartphone you couldn't like take pictures on it or yeah. talk Nokia to anybody 6110, it, yeah, it, it literally was yeah <laughs> and um, you, we were allowed two 10 minute phone calls out of the house a week <laughs> it's getting worse yeah at the start they were screened um, oh. so they, they would listen to them um, and then that's when you just tell them they're all cunts, <laughs> they're all cunts here, mum. <laughs> um, any mail, like we weren't, uh, we were allowed to um, send mail to our friends, like write letters and stuff like that. And they were also screened by uh, one of the producers. Um, and like any bits that were that contained information that might give us an upper hand, um, they were cut out. And yeah. like I, I would literally receive. Like an A4 sheet letter from my friend, um, and it was either blacked out with Nico or it was cut out with like a Stanley knife, and it's just a big hole in the paper. I'm not even joking; it's crazy. Um, we weren't allowed any newspapers, uh, no free-to-air TV. We we're allowed like uh, like Ostar and Foxtel and stuff like that, except yeah. for all the news channels were gone. Um, yeah, and again, no computer, no internet. Weren't allowed to leave the front door. Uh, pretty much no communication with the outside world. Fucking hell. <laughs> Can you imagine being like 21? Well, I was 20 at the time when I got on and I turned 21 halfway through. That's when you're at your most active and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and like most sort of vulnerable in your development, mm. I think, as well. Yeah, um, yeah and it was, I guess it was pretty stressful on me. Uh, but... Yeah, it's, and like you're, you're getting thrown into a house with 24 other people and you have never met these people before yeah. in your life and you you share a bedroom. So me and four other guys shared, a, or three other guys shared a room um, and there were two bathrooms in the house. Yeah. And everybody's got to be ready by like 6 o'clock or 7 <laughs> o'clock a.m. Imagine the girls. Yeah. Because they know they're going on telly. Shit, yeah. 
Because yeah. they do makeup when you get there, or they don't want everybody to has to do them. their own. Do their own. Yeah. All the like the judges. You would have been stuff. three, four hours. <laughs> <laughs> that was just on my face. <laughs> Hiding the beard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you probably didn't have a beard back <laughs> then. No, I couldn't grow one. I had a, like a little bit of stubble, but yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So it was a very super full-on process, um, and then we were filming for like, geez, like anywhere between. Some of the big days were like 12, 14, 15 hour days. Um, and a lot of it, granted, a lot of it is like sitting around um, just waiting for shots to be set up or being on break or um, watching somebody else cook. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and that time that you're not doing anything is super taxing because like, mm. you're constantly thinking about um, what the next challenge is going to be, what I'm going to cook, what my position in the competition is what I have to study, um, your brain's literally going 24-7. Yeah, you're in competition mode. Yeah. I actually had the same feeling when I used to compete in jiu-jitsu. You turn up too early and because just the whole place is amped, full of energy yep. and that, and you're watching and you get fired up, by the time you get to roll four hours later, you're zapped, you're gone. There's no, yeah. nothing left. Yeah, and I'm 100%. Like, oh. Then you just walk in it's like, oh, you win. <laughs> <laughs> it... it really goes to show like how much energy your brain actually uses mm. um for like a, a tiny part of your body it uses such a massive amount yeah. of energy and it really takes it out of you just thinking oh you, you see what stress does to your body if you're stressing you can lose some weight oh fuck yeah hey. shit yeah it was yeah it was pretty full on and um yeah i did that until may the 4th i came third in my series yep so i was there till the second last episode oh, i was still present on the last episode but yeah it went from day one to the end. What about the other people get to stay? They have to stay in the house, or they get to go home when they get eliminated. So once you get eliminated, uh, if you're in the position to get eliminated on the day, you have to have your bags packed yep. before you leave the house in the morning, and um, all your bags go to the side. And essentially, if you get eliminated, they take your bags from the house to the studio, and you get sent on a plane that night. Or the following morning, if it's a really late shoot, yeah, yeah, it's pretty hectic. <laughs> so you d you don't really get a chance to say goodbye to anybody either. Oh, yeah. um, and so, like, imagine like one day you're in the competition. And you're say, for instance, you could be doing really, really well. You're like at the top, and then all you, all it takes is like one shit cork or for you to fuck something up. Oh, yeah. Um, and then yeah, the next day you're on a plane home. So no no sabotage or anything in those times. <laughs> nah, it's like. <laughs> It wasn't really, you couldn't really do that. Like everybody's sort of in in charge of their individual ingredients and yeah. cooking and stuff like that. It's, there was, unless you're in a team cook, mm. that's where it went really wrong for a couple of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, the team cooks are really hard because you're relying on a lot of other people. And if you get stuck with somebody that's A, shit, or B, hasn't been in that environment, hasn't been in that environment, yeah. C, is having a really bad day, D, mm. The challenge is something that they're not familiar with. Yeah. Um, then it can really go wrong, and then all of a sudden you're in an elimination the next day. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and hands at someone else after sitting in the house for fucking six months. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but I guess at the end of the day, all you have to do is just be better than one person, and then you win. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. kind of easy when you think yeah. about it. Let's just beat them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meg ring, here we go. <laughs> Meg ring, bloody noodles, I'll beat you all. <laughs> I love Meg ring noodles. All right. 
So after all that, you left, left in, um, you went on a bit of a sabbatical, pretty much, would you say? or a Yeah, I pretty much, um, I finished the show and the show starts airing pretty much on the same, well, almost just close to the end of the, when the season's actually being filmed. So we film for six months and then it, it airs for uh, almost three, I think. Um, and yeah, I uh, ran down to Tasmania um, and I... Actually went... ran? Because or... <laughs> people Long do way. stuff like that, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. We're on a podcast, eh? People actually do. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was, um, yeah, I, I went down to Tassie and I went and lived... Uh, in, I started working at a resort, one of the resorts, like a luxury lodge um, in the middle of Tassie, like smack bang in the middle of Tassie. Uh, lived there for, geez, five or six months, I think it was. Um, and that was in the middle of nowhere. Like we didn't yeah. have reception or like anything out there for most of the time. So I didn't really get to watch my season at all because we didn't yeah. have TV and didn't have any internet. Um, so I just That's had probably to... a good thing, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it was good in terms of like you. It was, I didn't have to be critical of myself. I didn't get to watch the season and be like, "Well, why'd you do that? And why didn't you do this? And why are you talking like that? And why did you dress like that on that day?" Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, I did see something when I googled you a while back. Um, there was a bit of a like you were drinking a beer. You they made you out to be a bad boy at one stage. Yeah, that was last year. Um, I finished the show and. I wasn't really happy with um, sort of what was what was happening in the show. Um, I uh, they they like every every episode. There's a photographer that goes around and they pretends he's your friend and gets all the fucking germs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they um so they take your photos and stuff. And um, I didn't really get highlighted much at all. I didn't really get any airtime. Um, through my time in the second season and I was only there for a few weeks um, I didn't really get any airtime at all and a lot of it was based around the big names on the show yeah um, and they this one episode they didn't send me any photos at all um, for the cook that I did and I felt like I had a really good cook on, on that day and I had nothing to share yeah um, and of course when you've got like 30,000 people that are watching you or like on my Instagram, mm. um, everybody's sort of like expecting you to, to talk about what you were doing on that day and share photos of what you cooked and yeah. they didn't really give me any content and so I posted a story like on my Instagram. Um, I was just having a casual beer with some, fr some mates <laughs> and I posted on my Instagram. I was like, oh, sorry, MasterChef didn't send me any photos today. Um, I don't have anything to, to share. Yeah. And then... Daily Mail picked that up. The fucking, they are actually the worst, the worst kind of people. So Daily Mail is like this yeah. online publication and they just share absolute bullshit Crap, on the celebrities. Um, and yeah, they picked it up and shared it and then Yahoo Mail picked it up and shared it and then a couple of others as well. And it was literally just like, it was over nothing. Um, there was I just said, oh, I don't have any photos to share today. And then they took it. And ran with it that I was having a crack at the the show and I was drunk and I was um, going on some. Uh, I think they said or something. they said I in the the headline it was like Master Chef's Harry goes on alcohol fuel, alcohol fueled um, 
rant or something. That's the one I read. Yeah, and I was like, I believed it. I was like, fuck off. I was like, what is this shit? I was like, and it was like nobody. I shared it to my story and had a bit of a laugh about it on Instagram, and everybody, um, like, it actually turned out pretty funny in the end because everybody was like, what the fuck are these? What the fuck is wrong with these people? But the thing is, just writing can just make you. Just because they see a publication, like yeah. someone has to put their words and name behind this, and you must have done it. Yeah. That's that's the exactly way people right. see stuff. And like, yeah. like people who are in that position, they're just fucking assholes. Yes, so, and they just just steer fucking. Imagine what they do in the real media, like the real like what they're yeah. doing with telly with all this COVID stuff and all that. How much? It's actually terrifying. Yeah. So if they're doing it there, yeah. <laughs> Imagine how it's magnified. Yeah, and uh, I like, and I it was literally just I was like having a beer with some mates one afternoon, and I posted a picture of me. I had a Great Northern, and I was just drinking it, and posted a picture, and I was like, "Oh, sorry, didn't get to share any photos tonight, or didn't get whatever." Master Chef didn't send me any photos, and yeah, they just took it and ran with it. Actually, one time when I was in the first series, I walked into a news agent's, um, and. I was getting. I was buying a scratchy ticket, and I saw in the the magazine stand, um, it was like a new idea, and I was on the cover, and it was my photo, and they said, um, I was in a co- oh, something. It was about I was in a coma. <laughs> and I was like, I picked up this magazine. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I called the master chef publicist. I was like, hey, yeah, um, I don't really know like what's going on here, but. I'm on the cover of New Idea and they said that I was in a coma and I definitely haven't been in a coma before. And <laughs> I was comatosed after a big night on the piss. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's unreal to see what, being in, in like a, the public eye, yeah. it's unreal to see how these media publications that pretty much just work off Facebook these days and yeah. um, online publications, it's crazy to think like how much power and reach that they have but what they're sharing is just absolute nonsense. It's yeah. like made up crap. Just because it might be hearsay from three people that three people back there might know you from a friend of a friend of a friend that's told a story and then they're like, all right, this will do. Yeah. Sort of thing and run with it. Yeah. So I guess that's <laughs> one of those um, uh, downsides to putting your face out and in the public eye and being on a such a big show as MasterChef. Yeah. So if you were to do it all again, do. S- if you, if someone said, oh, I want to go on a show, would you say yes or no to, for them to go on it? Uh, it would depend on the show. Yeah. If, if I had creative control over um, anything that I was on, absolutely, I'd love to. Um, yeah. I think, it, and especially in the space that I'm in now, like whether that be within seafood or nature or animals or the Great Barrier Reef or anything like that, um, I'd love to do that. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, however, such a massive show like MasterChef, I think for me, I wouldn't consider doing it again. I said this the first time and then I did it again. <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't do it again because and I just, just signed up last week yeah. for this year. <laughs> <laughs> All stars too. Um, <laughs> but no, it's just, it's, it was way too too much stress stress on my body and um, and on my mental health as well. Yeah. It's too hard. Ah, oh, fuck that. So when you headed back down to Tasmania, sort of you, you found your feet again, and not really. I um, I was working at Pump House Point, which is this incredible luxury lodge in the middle of nowhere, and it was so scenic and stunning. And 
Um, of course, it was the middle of winter as well, so we pretty much had no daylight. <laughs> there was like a couple <laughs> of hours of daylight, and if there was daylight, uh, it was hidden by cloud because we were Great up light. in the mountains. Yeah, it was grey. <laughs> um, and so I think a lot of that uh, lack of sunlight had a lot to do with my mental health as well. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like seasonal depression. And so I pretty much slipped into... Um, or it was almost a year of like post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. Um, and it, it was really, really hard. Um, and it took such a, I feel like it took such a massive toll on my body. I felt like I was really healthy and happy before that. And yeah. then um, going through that, that was like some of the worst times of my life. Um, and I don't know exactly what it was that, made me sad or made me anxious or would sort of give me these moments of like, well, like, I, I don't know if they were panic attacks or whatever it was, but it was really hard. Um, I, I don't know what actually gave me that, whether it was um, like public expectation that I was supposed to be performing or having a restaurant or whatever it might be, or um, whether it was being recognised in the middle of nowhere or... Um, just stuff like that, like having no anonymity maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sure what it was, but it took a massive toll on me. And yeah, I wasn't coping very well for a really long time. Um, and I went and saw a therapist and spoke through a lot of my problems and understood the science of why our brains uh, make us anxious and depressed. And yeah. that really helped me. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I am in a position where... Well, I don't think I'd put myself in a position where I'd do that again. It's just too too much stress. And like, especially the life you're leading now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> how stress-free I is it? Honestly, li- my <laughs> since then I've sort of taken a vow to live my life like as a holiday, I guess. Yep. Um, and I've worked since then. I've worked in um, some of the best luxury lodges around Australia. Um, I've got to live in some incredible places and do some really incredible jobs and. Um, that's, I guess, really helped my mental health as yeah. well. And it's, I guess, as an outsider looking in, it's not really a, it's not the normal way of life. It's not something that you would expect somebody to do, like going from resort to resort and not living in a, a single town for more than six months or 12 months. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty tricky in that sense because there's a lot of public expectation of, the fact that I should be settling down and having yeah. a house. Or oh, you should have a restaurant by now and, and five chains. Exactly right, yeah. <laughs> but I'm really happy and um, I've seen a lot of incredible places around Australia that other people wouldn't like to... They might get to go there for a holiday once every year or once every couple of years. I'm pretty envious of your uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another thing. I get to take amazing photos and yeah. have all these really cool experiences and share them and that's that's really special to me. Yeah, so the, uh, it's, it's a total different way of life, but it works really well for me. So you were at Orpheus Island, was it? Orpheus? No, so I've, I've done... I started my sort of hospitality career when I was 18 on Fitzroy, yep. which was just off Cairns. And then I went from uh, Fitzroy to Heron Island, which is Southern Great Barrier Reef. And then after Heron, I uh, went down to Tassie, um, did Went to cocaine. <laughs> Yeah, going Heroin, on the drugs really hard, ketamine. Cocaine oil, ketamine <laughs> island. That's where you are now. <laughs> yeah, ketamine bitch. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to think about that now. Uh, 
Yeah, and then so I worked um, at Pump House Point down in Tasmania. Yep. Then I went to Sapphire Freysenay on the east coast of Tassie. Um, I did a few other things down in Tassie while I was there. And then um, I came back up to Queensland because I was really missing the heat and missing the lifestyle and the wildlife and the reef and everything. Because you're a Townsville boy, aren't you? Yeah. South of Townsville or North, north Townsville? of Townsville, yeah, north yeah a little Townsville, town yeah. called Rolling Stone. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> little fishing village. Well, you're on the cover of it. No. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. No, <laughs> rocking out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually go camping down there every now and then. The caravan park there. Yeah, it's a nice spot. Eh? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Really, well, really. some big grunters off the beach there. Shit, yeah. Mm. Lots of look. Great for fishing. Really good for fishing. And like the Palm Island straight out off there. Yeah, yeah, you got the Palm Island group. So Orpheus, Havana, yeah, Polaris, Esk, Palm. And that's where all the um, big tigers are. I thought that's the breeding ground for. Uh, uh, everybody tiger says sharks. that's what I've heard yeah I've heard of a million different breeding grounds for sharks but I think <laughs> called the ocean <laughs> yeah the ocean <laughs> okay if you're wondering what's going on it's just an intermission I had a bit of a technical difficulty so I thought let's chuck in the fish skins ads fish skins so fucking awesome wear them all the time go to the reef wear, them, uh, wear all the different colours the coral trout dully the wahoo and then we've got the new brand uh, new ones are coming out shortly so be exciting to see when they come out i reckon about two three weeks you'll see the teasers start coming up on instagram and stuff there'll be some i might even do a prize or something on here so yeah keep in touch and um get back amongst it all right here's the second half and um sorry about the stuff up but yeah we just had a bad computer failure macbooks but stuff the MacBooks, just remember, you got to get some fish skin in the game. Or, if you're in my boat, fish skins or swim. That's it. Swim. I'm figuring it, trying to figure out what's just happened. Um, yeah, I'm still com- trying to figure out what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. Uh, my computer actually just shit itself. So, I've uh, moved across to the Zoom recorder and then, um, we've started... Mid adrift, I can't even go back to what we were talking about. But I can't. I Do you know what? Spend an spend an hour trying to figure out what we were fucking talking about. <laughs> let's just keep going. <sighs> All right, mate. So let's get, mate. How did I meet you? Where did it begin for us? Yes, um, the bromance. <laughs> Are we going to go as far as we went in the last one? <laughs> that, that, that one night, <laughs> the, the glory the hole at <laughs> Lake Eachum. <laughs> It's a deep crater. <laughs> it is a big crevice. Um, nice and cold. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, we met uh, We met on a freediving course last year, or last October, I think it was, yeah. um, up in the Tablelands up at Lake Eacham. Um, it was you, me, Jack, Bondi, and as in Captain Lex. Oh, Lexi, sexy. The other bearded burglar. He's a sexy man. Good beard. He's, he knows how to he knows how to captain a ship too, doesn't he? <laughs> anyway, love to be on a sh- ship with that man. <laughs> Get ship wrecked with him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we're getting off topic. Um, yeah, we we met at a free diving course last year. Yeah, and, um, it was pretty good. We actually yeah did a podcast on it with Yarns of Laz and Tasman. We did. Went a bit down the tracks on all. We actually spoke a bit about Master Chef and yeah. and the diving course and stuff like that. So we won't bore you again. Just go back to that one if you want to listen to about free diving and stuff like that but we can mm-hmm. talk a little bit about it but yeah what did um how's your diving been since you've done the course um a lot better a lot lot much much better actually um i feel like i have so much more control in my diving and like 
um, my mental space is so much better, which I think in turn has helped my breath holding, um, my ability to dive deeper, and I think ultimately my ability to hunt fish as well. Yeah, I, what I got out of it was I went from about a minute breath hold to two minute 50 was my best. And then we went up and had smoko while you were still down there. And at the end of your breath hold, you come up and joined us at, what, about 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is he going to get out of the... Is he dead? But you fucking keep an eye on him or what? <laughs> They're all talking. I'm like, he's still down there, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really, really good. I think um, that was a, a pivotal moment in my freediving um, experience, I think. Do you, like, as I explained, my contractions are just like, so they, they were just laughing how bad mine, mine are and you're just sitting there. and You were shaking moving. like a leaf in the wind. Yeah, I just have like, and I look like I was an, having an epileptic fit underwater <laughs> and they're all just laughing at me and I was just, but when you get in that zone, you don't even realise and yeah. then just eyes are fluttering and I'm just seeing red, blue, green, all these <laughs> colours and I'm like, you're, saying, you're there but you're not, just like you're hypnotised and yeah. I'm like, okay, it's... And then when I got up, I'm like, I could have probably stayed under. Yeah. But you just, I was just like, oh, well, I felt like I was under, but yeah, sort of. And yeah, after you come up from that really long breath hold, it's like, you know, I feel a bit, pers- personally, I feel a bit like doughy and super relaxed. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really nice feeling. You're like, oh, shit, I was under for that long. And yeah. Like, that's, that's the so other much one. longer I, than you think. Yeah, I explained that. Like, when if, if you go for a deep dive, if you just relax, go down, put your chin to your chest... Even close your eyes and just start heading down. By the time you hit ten meters, then you start falling away. You don't have to do anything, and you just you, the negative buoyancy just takes you away, and yeah. you don't even have to kick. And before you know it, you're like at twenty. Th- you can be at thirty meters if you didn't know how to equalize and do all the equalization properly. And I'm, you straighten up, and you're like, shit, I'm here. Felt yeah. like I just I just left the su- surface. Yeah, it's unreal. Eh? It's like a, a time warp. You don't even mean to do it. Exactly. And you're so relaxed because, I mean, you, you put yourself into the relaxation zone in the first place and then you, you get down there and you're so relaxed and you're like, oh, wow, this is... Like, you think about, you know, 20 metres or 30 metres when you're on land and you're like, fuck, that's actually pretty deep and I don't know if I can really go that far. And then you get down to that depth and you're like, oh, this is really not that bad. And, like, because you're super relaxed already, it's a comfortable place. Mm, just like the town you think about the town pool that's 50 meters and you had to swim that so deep but then if you're going down 30 meters you've got to swim that plus 10 meters yeah <laughs> and plus the pressure the pressure is the one that probably puts the most stress on you and, and mentally and physically yeah. because you just if you're not used to it you're like geez like knowing how to equalize properly and all the pressure on your lungs because as you go down as they explain in the course your, your lungs are the size of a big balloon and by the time they get down, they're the size of a bloody coconut. Yeah, sort it's of unreal, thing. isn't it? Yeah, they just just go so small and when you come back, they expand again because you just... Yeah. The oxygen or whatever is decompresses. I tell you what, it's a, it's a lot easier when you've got a rope to pull yourself up yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much... It just so much safety there you get down when you see that that um, weight on the bottom you're like yes yeah you're like oh cool okay sweet (laughs) and then you just pull yourself up it's great but that the thing that stresses you out not stress doing it in lake eachum is the um thermoclines on the way down oh yeah it's spooky you just go down five ten meters and then the the water just changes color just goes like nearly black Mm. 
or like a real dark green and then you go down another 10 meters <laughs> and it just goes back to that that green light green again and you're like oh there's the because you think oh there's the bottom but you get to it and you're like gosh it's not the bottom no, it's, it's just not the bottom yeah. changing the, and then the water gets really cold so cold. <laughs> it, it, I was, I've been diving in Tassie. I was in Tassie for like five years and I was diving down there a lot. And a lot of the time, the water is freezing cold and it's that really dark, sharky green. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't like to sh- say sharky green, but that's like <laughs> everybody can picture what that color is yeah. <laughs> or like what that looks like, you know? And like you're diving in Lake Eachum and it, this is this 64 meter deep um, freshwater lake up in the tablelands of far north Queensland. And you you dive down to 20 meters and it is that you, you go through those layers and you can see like what looks like the bottom, but it's not. Um, and you, you it's, it's eerie. Yeah. Obviously, there's no sharks. There's nothing in there that's going to do any damage to you, except for that one freshwater crocodile <laughs> <laughs> that's allegedly there. I'm yet to see it. But um, yeah, it's like, it's spooky and it's really eerie and it's like, it feels like, you don't belong there <laughs> you know <laughs> you're like oh i'm a human i probably shouldn't be there's there. a few other younger dudes that have done it they told me before i went up there and they said we could only get to 10 meters because the levels just stuffed with us that we mentally they True. just couldn't get past them i think mentally. that's one of the benefits of really having a rope as well because you you know how long the rope is and mm. you know what what's going to happen when you get to the bottom and you're safe and you can just turn around and pull I, yourself back I, up. I used to just go down as, as far as i could see bondy's blood on the bottom <laughs> when his nose would explode yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> he just powered down and powered up and he'd come Fuck up you. and he's just like... He would charge Yeah, down, he's eh? like, all right, I'm right to go. Ten seconds later, he's back at the service and I'm like, you go to the bottom? He's like, yeah, he just powered down, powered back up and then he's like... <laughs> and then just blood coming out of his nose. I'm like, okay, Bondi. Just too excited, <laughs> eh? He's like, we need to go deeper. <laughs> no, I don't know if you do, Bondi. <laughs> I think yeah. it might have been a fact of a deviated septum. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it yeah. happens to everyone. Yeah, <laughs> so I've heard. And I was really, it was um, an awesome, awesome course. And yeah, and my freediving has definitely improved since then. And I'd actually love to take Sam to Lake Eachem and do a course with somebody as well yeah. and um, get him to understand the freediving sort of basics and safety as well. Safety is really important and... Um, that way, I've got my own personal dive buddy with me. Yeah, especially if you're diving together a fair bit. You've got yeah. exactly. eyes on, on on each other all the time. It's pretty, yeah. pretty good thing. He's got a, and it, the thing with diving is you've got to dive as shallow as the, the um, shallowest person can go. Exactly right. You go any deeper than that, then they can't come get you. Exactly. <laughs> Unless you spear them, go down 10 metres and spear them. <laughs> Just don't shoot me in the head. <laughs> so Maybe he's a little bit off. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, photography. Actually, you put a real good post up with uh, Sam smacking some JPs up yesterday, up yeah. a creek. Yeah, that was good fun. Um, my dad was a, a cinematographer um, back in the day, and he did a lot of work with uh, for, for like documentaries, nature documentaries, pretty much based around aquatic life and reef life um for like bbc and that geo and stuff like that um and he i was i sort of grew up alongside him um shooting this all this really really awesome stuff and i got to see a lot of cool stuff um and i don't think i learned much from him in terms of 
like photography or videography skills. However, I think gro- like growing up alongside that and seeing how cool that was, that inspired me to teach myself about photography and videography. Yeah. Um, and I've sort of had a like a, a camera in hand since, geez, I was like early teens, I reckon. Um, and always been really interested in photography and um, just capturing really cool moments. Oh, like, as I said before, I've got a incredible life where I get to see so many amazing things that people only get to see on their holidays um, and sharing that through social media and by taking photos and videos, I think is really, really cool and it inspires me and um, keeps me motivated and excited. And yeah, it's just a, it's an awesome, awesome tool to um, be able to share those sort of things. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to the noise in the background and kicking shit around. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's getting pissed off. Yeah. No, but the, um, I've, uh, so you put a post up about the cameras, um, was it Nikon versus uh, Canon? Or? Yeah, well, I started off with a uh, Nikon DSLR, so a D800. Um, that was like top of the line in its day back in back when I first got it. Um, and I had that for up until last year. So like probably seven, six or seven years, I think. Um, and I wanted to do a lot more stuff with video. Uh, I started a YouTube channel and was making a bunch of cooking videos and shit like that. So, um, I wanted a small mirrorless camera, which I was going to be able to produce really nice videos on. So when you talk about mirrorless, what does mirrorless mean? So there's two different types uh, of, well, a couple of different types of cameras. So you have a DSLR. Um, and then you have mirrorless. So essentially in a DSLR camera, there's uh, a mirror, which is part of the mechanism that flicks up when you're taking a photo. Um, And a mirrorless pretty much goes straight to sensor. Lens or sensor. Yeah. And so um, there's there's all different sorts of benefits from using DSLR and using mirrorless. Um, But essentially, I wanted a camera that was going to be small and it was going to be easy for me to... Um, carry around and make really nice videos on um, but I've had it for pretty much a year now it's, it's a Fuji X-T4 yeah. um, and it's a fan- fantastic camera really really good camera um, however I think I'm I'm not super in love with it for no specific reason at all I just I think I'm really attached to the brand of Nikon and I've because I had that other camera for so long um, it I was super comfortable with it and moving to a new brand. It's learning an entirely new system, a new camera. And um, yeah, so I'm trying to decide now whether or not I go back to Nikon. uh, But I think I'm going to wait till they bring out their new range. Um, And in the meantime, I guess I'll have to learn to love my (laughs) current camera. Is it like GPSs and sounders and stuff that come out every week? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Honestly, there's so many and it's, it's so hard to like, there's so much information out there and a lot of them are quite similar. So it's really hard to um, to choose what you actually want for your requirements, for your yeah. needs and stuff like so that. So I would say a YouTuber. Yeah, get sort a, of camera? a small mirrorless camera would be fantastic. I think if you're making YouTube videos, you want something that's portable um, and you want something you'd be able to carry around really easily and just whip out and take videos whenever you can. Um, back to my channel. Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. Um, and, and with the DSLR, they're typically a bit heavier um, 
And I mean, you do get a bit better battery life with a DSLR as opposed to a mirrorless because mirrorless are a lot more electronic, so they take a bit more battery. But um, DSLRs are definitely a lot bulkier and heavier. So for, I guess, if you were going to make a YouTube channel, definitely go mirrorless and um, choose something that's got uh, good video capability. Yeah. And what do you, with your GoPros, because I know stuff all about GoPros, I... I do. I've got a channel and I play around with them, but I just go with stock standard, whatever it comes yep. with. I just press play. So, is there anything you can do to make it a bit better? To boost your GoPros, um, choose. Or I mean, it depends on what you're doing. So, if you're making YouTube videos, um, use 4K. It's great to shoot in 4K. I mean, it takes a lot of space up in your memory cards, but um, if you're shooting in 4K, it gives you flexibility further on down the track. You go like, backwards as well. Yeah. Yeah, um, and you get a bit more uh, in terms of like the range if you want to edit your videos and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but if f- for the GoPro, I think it's it's a fantastic camera because you they're so small and so portable yet so high quality, mm. um, and I think they're great to just to be able to carry around and if, especially if you're diving, just whip it out whenever you need. If you see a fish you're about to shoot, you can literally just pull it out of your yeah. wetsuit or whatever and press record and it, going um, and they're, they're tiny yeah. they're really really small and battery life's pretty good I've been so lucky with mine I've surfed pretty big waves and everything with it been smashed been yeah. everything and it hasn't got flotation I think one little slip <laughs> it's gone I've had it in my mouth like drowning <laughs> so it's gone through a lot so if i lose that i'll be pretty upset just because of the, the attachment I oh have yeah to it yeah what we've been through <laughs> yeah well the gopros are they're a fantastic camera not great for taking photos and stuff especially underwater yeah um, that's what i found so i think i'm going to get underwater housing for my um mirrorless like professional camera so i can do some jobs and stuff with it um but yeah for video the GoPros are just they're great for what they are. Yeah. Really, really, you can't beat it. I think. Yeah, we 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 were in front of the camera the other day out with our um, Anzac and the the fish skins. We were doing some promo. That was good fun. Such a good day. <laughs> I mean, the, good day. the weather was a bit shit, but mm. no, we still had fun. We still got fish, and we had a better day than Anzac. He just watched us fish. I know. I felt really bad for him. <laughs> so we, for those of you listening, we um, essentially what happened we. Took the a couple two different boats out um, for made made of ours uh, Anzac his shirt brand fish skins. Uh, we went to do a promo day for them um, to take a bunch of photos for social media and video and stuff like that. And he pretty much was just um, driving the camera guys around all day <laughs> while and they were shooting us and we were pretty much just fishing and changing shirts and diving and we had a great day. <laughs> He's like. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. I'm like, man, don't pay for it. We had a fucking good day. Yeah. <laughs> we came out with fish, went for a dive. And every time the cameraman asks us to do something, we're like, just do it. And he's like, oh, I don't feel obliged to do it, you know. You know, just have your day, you know. And I'm like, fuck, mate, we're out here. You've spent all the money. Yeah. It's going to happen. Exactly right. Especially when we headed, because it was a pretty rough day. So we headed back in and we got halfway home and, and then it just sort of flattened off. Mm. halfway home so i just said all right let's go to the islands and finish off the rest of this shoot so yeah we've got some good footage at the islands there i can't wait to see the footage and i can't wait to see the photos yeah i've got a couple of photos fuck all look awesome 
Oh, those are the ones you like half in and out of the water. Yeah, yeah so good. I was like, fuck, I should have dived in it. I should have dived in the fish skin chair, but I put my wedding on. Anyway. Yeah, I actually speared, they come down behind me and I speared a trout. So That's so good. Hopefully that footage comes out because it, it, it was pretty good. Shit, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Were you wearing the coral trout shirt? No, I should have. <laughs> that would have been I so good. I can't even remember it. So I think it's a parrotfish. Color. Which one was it? The the pink and green. Yeah. Was it the moonrath? Ah, uh, he's got one that's a moonrath. I can't remember if yeah, that's the green the... one. Is uh, the green one might be a parrot? I think. I can't remember. Blue and green, and then there's. They've a got the little label green. on the shirt though, which yeah. is really really good. Yeah. I At love the that. moment, I'm wearing the. All right, what you say that name? Uh, Pomacanthus imperata. <laughs> yep, which is a it's a some type it's of. It's a juvenile angelfish. Is that it? one? Yeah. Bloody hell! Look at you, you big fish nerd. <laughs> No, I am really. a fish nerd. I'm a fish nerd from way back. You're a third. <laughs> third. Fucking third. Um, yeah, no, my um, first job was at a aquaculture facility where we bred clanfish and other like tropical marine fish yeah. for aquariums. That was really cool. Fucking cool job. Because oh, yeah, you, you, um, and then you also studied a bit of. Yeah, I've um, partway through a bachelor of science degree at. Um, at uni uh, with a major in, well, I want to do my major in um, marine ecology. Yeah. And probably plant plant science for my minor. Oh, I'm a b- bananaologist. Yeah, I'm selling him. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny, I went to the DPO the other day and they put a whole heap of pictures up on the wall and they're like, what's this disease? What's this disease? And I'm like, I don't know, because I don't have them on my farm. My ah. farm's healthy. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I haven't seen Wouldn't them on know. my farm, but yeah, maybe on everyone else's farm, they have lots of this shit, but <laughs> my farm's perfect. <laughs> oh, shit. No, but yeah, so... Man, we're, we're fairly deep, but we'll we'll try to go a little bit deeper, because there's... Deeper? Yeah, there's a couple other questions I'd like to ask you. Um, I don't know. So, so a lot of people listening, uh, yeah, as, ah, uh, as, has, <laughs> fuck, I'm used to looking at you <laughs> You got a big beard like you. <laughs> <laughs> has been a lot online and stuff. And, um, I only found out the other day that, um, yeah, you, you're actually gay. I didn't even realize. Yeah. And it, it's, it doesn't even fucking pass me as anything, but yeah. What was what was like growing up and sorting all that out and figuring it all out? Um, my my I guess coming out was pretty good. It was I guess relatively to what I've seen a lot of other people go through, really good. I was super super lucky. Um, uh, I guess I sort of started figuring it out when I was probably hmm, seventeen, eighteen. That's when I like really was like, oh shit, maybe. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit different. <laughs> all the kids in school knew before I did, yeah. so I copped a lot of homophobia in school. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't even aware of my sexuality back then. Yeah. Um, and so I was called faggot or gay cunt or cocksucker or poofter or shirtlifter or whatever it is, uh, pretty much every day. And that was really hard for me because um, I didn't really understand why they were calling me that i didn't see how i was different um and that sort of left me 
excluded from all the groups that I thought that I fitted into. Yeah. Um, like in terms of like masculinity or uh, like even in my metalwork class, I was one of the top of my metalwork class, except I'd go in there every day and the all the kids had, well, not all of them, but quite a few of them would take the piss out of me and call me just about everything. And um, I couldn't understand why. Mm. Um, and now looking back, I could see how I was different to them and um, my sort of subconscious sexuality probably had a lot to do with that. Um, but yeah, then I guess growing up um, and moving into hospitality, hospitality is a really fantastic uh, place for queer people because I think um, there's a lot of people that in that work in hospitality that are LGBTQI plus, um, and so there's a lot of sort of understanding and a lot less homophobia I think around um, that industry. However, I feel like there's certainly many others like construction or um, trades, for instance. There might be a lot harder for for men to feel comfortable about who they are and. Um, I've certainly seen a lot of my friends that have struggled with uh, coming out and um, yeah, I, I feel really, really lucky to have had the experience that I did. Uh, I, I pretty much just um, texted my parents one day being like, hey, I've got a partner now, it's not a girl. And they're like, cool, yeah, we knew. <laughs> um, and that was sort of the end of the conversation and never really went any further than that. But yeah, there's certainly a lot of people out there that, struggle um struggle with their coming out and and sort of understanding their sexuality um worse than i did yes i was very lucky yeah i I sort of can sympathize where you come from my brother older brother was actually in the same position growing up in small town and yeah he struggled with that his whole life and yeah we call i actually call him those names just because we couldn't figure him out what what was going on with him and stuff like that so yeah i was part of all that and i've i have um pretty much apologized for that and and and, um over the years we've we've grown apart now we don't really talk that much at the moment but it's not because of um his sexual orientation but um yeah it's i just i just seen the struggles he had growing up and it's just fucking amazing that how you can just go through that and and pull through it all it's just yeah, I reckon that's probably... I reckon out of everything, it's probably one of the hardest things to be able to grow because the way, especially younger, like 20, 30 years ago, growing up, and it, it was a different world back then. Bloody earth it was. Yeah, and so it's just to go through that and just be called all that and it's not socially acceptable back then. And yeah, and I, I think um, a lot of people's misunderstanding about sexuality is uh, some of it, some people think that it's a choice. Like, why would I choose to be ridiculed every day? Why would I choose to be looked at differently? Why would I choose to have less opportunities? Um, and I think these days in the last, especially the last five to 10 years, it's come so far um, in terms of like public acceptance and public acknowledgement um, and that there is so many people out there uh, that are queer. And when I say queer, I mean, um, whether they're lesbian, gay or transgender or uh, that the whole um, spectrum. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many people out there and they're feeling a lot more comfortable these days to be able to come out and be who they really are and like who they really feel on the inside um, because there's a, a lot less hatred and a lot, a lot less public 
um, I guess, bigotry and misunderstanding about about sexuality. Yeah, one that really comes to mind that really, I reckon, brought, especially in North Queensland, I don't know about everywhere, but North Queensland was Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Mm-hmm. That show there had just, I reckon it helped so much. Not as much as the the, fest, the uh, festival down in Sydney, the Gay yep. Mardi Gras, but it was up there. Just having one TV show that just sort of came out and just like, oh, it was in your face. And never That stuff was never in anyone's face before that. Yeah, and what a fantastic start to to get queer people into the um, the mainstream media space. Yeah, so just, good. Just helping out ugly straight dudes that can't figure their shit out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. And yeah. I, I think even um, even as a um, an adult now, I'm almost twenty eight. Um, still, we face a lot of. Um, yeah, like homophobia and bigotry and stuff like that. Um, sometimes it's even still scary for us. Like I can't go to the pub with my partner without constantly thinking in the back of my mind, are those tradies in the corner looking at us? Um, there's a, a possibility that somebody might follow us home to see where we live. Um, and, you know, anything anything could come from that. And I know that these are extreme examples, mm. but... There are people out there that hate gay people so much um, and there's still so much hatred and um, it's not entirely safe for us and we still have to think about, um, we still have to have those thoughts in the back of our mind whether or not we are going to be safe in a a public space or uh, we're not going to get discriminated against or, you know, whether I'm going for a job or even in social media like, uh, I don't know anybody that's, in the same sort of social media circle, whether that be through spearfishing or um, like nature photography or anything like that, especially in Australia, that is gay. And uh, it's it's hard for me to like, I don't have anybody that I can identify with because I don't really um, fit into that mainstream, um, like as a, a gay person on social media, or I don't really fit into the the straight guy fucking hunting camping fishing situation you know um and it's it's hard for me sometimes to relate to that and that's just a another aspect of um being gay that gay people have to deal with is trying to figure out where they belong in society and and in different spaces yeah i really i think um hopefully in the future where sexuality is just uh it's just like a question and then it's forgotten yeah well even that like like, yeah, it I shouldn't even be a question. Yeah, really. well, I didn't meet you and ask you if, if you were just straight. And, again, yeah. and you didn't meet me and ask me if I was gay. And I, that's, I, I don't understand why it's, a, um, it's like an identifier mm. to someone's personality, yeah. whether or not they're gay or whether they're transgender or anything like that. I think it's just we're, we're coming, we're, we've come so far and we've still got a long way to go. Mm. But um, it's getting a lot better. It really yeah, is. It's just that... Just, yeah, having to think like, oh, yeah, okay, he's gay. Oh, shit. Some people think, oh, I can't talk to him anymore. He's gay. Yeah. And you're like, why? This not hurting you. And I always used to say, like, uh, me brother, when he, when he was gay, oh, still is gay, but when he, I said, well, Back in he's, the he's left more girls in the world for you fucking straight blokes. Stop being fucking dickheads. Do you know what I can't understand as well? <laughs> 
I've had I've met so many people <laughs> so, uh, growing up in a small rural community in far north Queensland. You can only imagine what it was like. Um, and I've met so many people that were like, "Oh, I don't care as long as you don't hit on me." And these are like fucking bush pigs, <laughs> mate. You're not the cream of the crop, Bob. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> I'm not going to be fucking chasing after you at the end of the night, I can tell you that. Because um, I went down to my brother's 40th and it was pretty much just a boat full of them, a little sound around there, full of them, full, full of gay people. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a great time. Full of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're cruising around the harbour and then I got to hear so many stories of this, exactly how you're talking, of what yeah. they went through growing up. And that's what really struck me is just all that like how much struggle you go through just because of perse- whatever it happened, what, what the word is, persecution. Homophobia. <laughs> Homophobia. Yeah, and it's just like, that is just so, yeah, it shouldn't be there and it's, the world needs to change. Definitely. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would my sexual orientation, how does that affect you? Why, why are you talking to me about it? Like, why, why are you... Why do you have hatred towards me or anybody else that's gay or anybody that's transgender or queer or black or white? Like, what is it to you? How does it affect your life? Yeah, I, th- I think most of the time they just think about what happens when, you, when, when you're with your partner. That's what most straight men think about when they think gay. They don't actually think about anything else. They, mm-hmm. That's how, that's me as a straight man, that's how... I, I used to think is like is it in terms of like curiosity do you think like do you wonder like what's going on are you well not you specifically but I guess you've had a lot of conversations with people in the past do you think it's like um, whether do you think it's like something you're missing out on or do you think it's like um, you want to know what's going on because you're not a part of it or it's to be honest it's oh, I have to it's it's doesn't it doesn't disgust me, but I just it's don't I don't have that feeling mm-hmm. like to be attracted or that way inclined. So it's hard to say. I just don't want to be an asshole about stuff. But that's the way I feel. It's just like I just yeah, it's just misunderstanding, and it, I just don't yeah, just because I like the way like you're saying the way you're born, you feel the way you feel, and the way I well yep. the way I'm born, I feel the way I feel, and. It's hard to like. It's like me trying to tell you to go with a girl. It, it would just disgust you. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't say disgust me. Like, there's some pretty but, hot cheeks out oh, there. <laughs> not disgust, but you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, the the feeling's not there yeah. where it should be. And I think a lot of a lot of it comes down to education, mm. um, and especially in small towns, it's really hard because a there is a, a lack of queer people around that, or well, there might be a lot of queer people around that are just not comfortable to open up and. Um, and for straight men and some straight women as well, it because of that that lack of interaction, or you're not seeing them around, or you're not seeing people um, that are or like obviously visually queer. It's not you, you don't sort of get that understanding of oh, there are people out there that are that way inclined, and they're actually not that different from me. Mm. The only reason that they're different is because they they're sexually attracted to somebody else um and so yeah there's a certainly in in small towns what from my personal experience um yeah it's just lack of education and lack of exposure um so that's why there's so such a high queer population in um 
those large towns like Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, etc., um, because they feel safe there and they feel like there's more opportunity there um, and they feel like they can be themselves. Whereas in small towns, of course, it's really hard because there's a lot of straight men that just don't understand um, gay people and because they're not exposed to it, they have no inclination to understand. Mm. Yeah, it's fucking... It's just so hard. I feel so sorry for all the positions you've been put in over your life. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, so much more education needs to be going to it. Even in school, it sort of needs to be taught a bit more. There's yeah. a lot more stuff that needs to be taught in schools that isn't being, hasn't been taught. So oh, 100%. There's, um, yeah, even... I was talking to a, a, my hairdresser yesterday, and she just talks about they, they're starting to get girls to go to like sleepovers at the school library just to talk about parties and menstruation and all the stuff that's so good yeah so they just started to talk about that like i'd love for my daughter to go to that yeah. because it just it's already the knowledge is there and so when they go to a party like oh just remember don't drink too much you know you could yep. get taken advantage of stuff like that i just i'd kill myself if i heard a story of me daughter getting raped at a party. Yeah. I'd kill that person first. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd just yeah be so gutted yeah to hear that knowledge come. Exactly, and and, like and that. that also just comes down to education. Mm. Um, uh, getting young men to understand where boundaries are and what's appropriate and what isn't appropriate, and um, yeah, also. It's a sad thing, but yeah, getting women to understand that there are people out there like that, and even some men as well, um, getting getting them to understand that there are people out there like that that do feel that way inclined, um, whether it be in terms of safety or whether it be in terms of like um, sexual safety as well. Um, yeah, ed- education, mm. big one, really Education's big one. Education is a big one. But I actually had a conversation with another friend just about racism. And the same answer come out of his mouth. It's education. Everything's education. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we just need more education. We just need to stop teaching just crap. Like, there's there's so much crap that gets taught at school where, where you could just spend another quarter of the day teaching real-life shit. Yeah. Honestly, like, I can't even tell you the last time I thought about trigonometry. Or <laughs> what the fuck? Why do I need to learn how a triangle... <laughs> What? Do you know what I mean? We're driving in the car today and we, we'll, uh, we said to my daughter, goes, let's ask each other a really hard question and see if we can answer it. And my young fellow goes, what's Pythagoras' theorem? And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> You're going to walk soon, you keep carrying <laughs> on. <laughs> Seriously though, like, what, why not teach kids about um, drug safety or learning how to change a fucking tire? Yeah. Or understanding how plants grow so you can grow your own food or even just i think just noticing people and what types of people there are yeah and stuff like that knowing how to read people like a a narcissist that's their best fucking um value is they know how to read people and manipulate them oh yeah so i've met some plenty of people like that before yeah so that's you don't have to teach that to get manipulation (laughs) but they've worked it out how to manipulate people off their off what they people need yeah and all that sort of yeah and one thing i learned over the years is love languages are one of the biggest things you can learn off anybody and i've said it in a few podcasts before there's five love languages 
if you don't learn your partners, it's like you speaking Chinese and mm -hmm. speaking French. No idea. Like you, at the start of it all, you you're fucking you you're attracted to each other and all that, and the fireworks are booming. But after about three four years, that all wears off, and then you're just stuck with this person that you don't really know because yeah, all the lust is gone. We was we Sam and I touched on this conversation the other day, and like it's it's huge. Like I know I understand sort of a little bit about my love language, and I um, am less comfortable with sometimes talking and um, stuff like that. And a lot of my love language is uh, cooking. I love cooking for people, and I um, so that's like acts of service. Yeah, yeah, and. and uh, giving, I love giving, mm. like surprises. I yeah. fucking love surprises, yeah. and I think that's actually a selfish thing yeah. because I get more out of it than the person. <laughs> but receiving. That, that's actually a love language. That's yeah, gifts is is a um is a love language. There's yeah. acts of service and there's gift giving, and it, it, there's yeah. there's so many different uh different yeah like love language as love language as he said, and um, understanding your partners is really important. Um, and of course, having them understand yours is just as important as well. Mm. And if they don't know it, it's got no hope. <laughs> you got no hope. And and if you have, I you got to keep telling them, like they don't understand sometimes. So you have to keep telling them, this is what I really like. Mm -hmm. And you're not doing it. Otherwise, if you don't bring it up, they'll just keep going down their love language, throwing it at you, and it's just like hit water off a duck's back. It's not working. Yeah. So. You can work all those out. I, like I did a lot of a, a bit of marriage counselling and stuff like that, just to sort all that stuff out. And yep. that's that's the biggest thing I got out of it. And I think, like, I'm proud to say I did marriage counselling. I think everyone should do marriage counselling. Yeah. It should be. Well, they, why would there be any shame in that? Oh, at the five year mark of every marriage, go and get some marriage counselling because I'm telling you, there will be some resentment somewhere. And if yeah, you don't mad. get rid of that resentment, you. How many people you know are unhappily married but stay together? So many people. Yeah. Actually, a, a friend of ours um, is in a terrible relationship right now and she, the guy doesn't have sex with her, he barely talks to her, he dogs her all, all the time um, and she is just so in love with him um, but can't... It, it seems like she's having trouble communicating to him that he's not giving her what she needs or he is just so oblivious to the fact that he's not giving he's her what she needs yeah. or is being a cunt or maybe he even recognises, I don't stubborn, know. That's all it is. Yeah, and just stubborn and, um, yeah, understanding. What, like, I can't understand if you weren't happy with somebody, either try and fix that or, uh, yeah, or fix that by counselling um, and understanding what the issues are or move on and leave yeah. them. After all my experiences, all that girl needs to do is just say i need to go see we need to go see marriage counseling if he says no say see you later and he will shit himself fucking hope he will absolutely shit himself yeah. because she does absolutely everything for him by the sounds of it yep she does and so yeah that's why i see it but I, i'm not a marriage counselor and do not take this as marriage counseling advice i'm not going to go so yeah, if if you if people out there actually want to learn about the love language, there's a um, book called The Five Love Languages. What are they? Sorry, I, I interrupted you I'm before. I didn't. Now you ask me, and they're on the spot. <laughs> I think it's gifts, gift giving, acts of service, words of affirmation, 
time. Sam, are you taking notes? <laughs> and there's one more. I can't. I always stuff them up. I just can't say them all. I know mine. Mine's words of affirmation because, you know, I'm, I've got a podcast. I've got to hear my own voice every fucking <laughs> second day. So that's what mine is. So, And I'll, my wife knows it and I know hers. And Yeah, so it helps a lot. Over the, as you can see, I'm always mowing the lawn stuff. You can see hers as acts of service. It's a fucking worse one. You got to work your ass off. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't it just be words of affirmation? Like you, you're cool, babe. <laughs> uh, Some people get it easy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Some is, is involved with a lot of work. <laughs> and I think a lot of it is um is accepting that you're partner's love language is different to yours mm. um, and it's the same thing gay straight it's nearly oh, that yeah, it's same whoever ex- you are acceptance yeah, it's yeah like if you can't understand that fucking hell you're struggling yeah exactly right hey. exactly right i think that's where we should end it yeah what do you reckon okay. love languages uh we should probably if you're probably note that if anybody's listening and is having any trouble with mental health or sexuality or even their love language, um, seek out advice from a professional. And yeah, not me. Not us. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic to listen to people, other people's experiences, and I think that's really great in terms of learning um, and personal development. But, yeah, have a chat to a professional if you are having any issues with any of the above. Um, I think you should start your own fucking podcast. Listen to you. You're awesome. <laughs> it's going to start with an ASMR session too. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, All right, lads. Good to see you. And likewise, um, thank you for having us, mate. I reckon I might get you back because you're not bad to just have a fucking chat with anyway. So yarns with has and does. No, cut that out. No, we started it. Ah, hear that as suck eggs. (laughs) Too Too rude. All right. Thanks a lot again, Haz and Sam. He's went pretty deep there. And um, yeah, it really means a lot when people really open up like that. So I'd like to thank you both again. If you want to check Haz Foss out on Instagram and Facebook, yes, Haz, H-A-Z-F-O-S, Instagram and Facebook. And um, yeah, have a check out of his photos and videos. He's, uh, he's into his ecology and stuff like that. And it's so awesome, all these, um, especially his turtle stuff and, and the shark stuff. It's so awesome. Um, and also, Fish Skins AU. They're my only sponsor at the moment. And um, I like to, big shout out, they, they do everything for me. They do a lot of good stuff. they got awesome shirts. New range coming out shortly that hopefully I can mention, but I just did, so fuck it. But an awesome range and, yeah, get amongst them. Um, look after the people that look after you keeping the sun off you and man awesome thanks a lot to everyone and everyone who's come across from taz yarns or yarns with us and taz to taz yarns please subscribe share it with your mate and um yeah i'll see you in a fortnight keep your legs together two roo